Conrad Bain. We urge families, children and parents alike, to watch this informative episode and then discuss the problem presented, which is of deep concern to all of us. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. Mm, but before you can beat my guest, you need to beat my guest, so let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Chris Uberfredo. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing just dandy. Um, you know, though, this is, this is a very special episode. Beat my guest, um, Chris. Uh, for those of you who don't know, is a is a patron of of Beat My Guest. He is one of my Bandersnatch patrons. And uh, uh, before we get into what that entails, Chris, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about who you are and and what you do when you're not sitting in the hot seat? Well, my name is Chris Fimafredo. I live just outside of Richmond, Virginia. I'm an information security assessor for a financial firm in the area, and got into trivia. Basically, when I met my wife, um, her friends played a, a regular game, and I joined them and was welcomed for my very limited knowledge of certain areas. And I've been into trivia ever since. That's awesome. I mean, uh, trivia can bring the whole family together. I know my wife and I go to uh, a game uh, each and every Friday. I mean, we knew each other going in. We were already married. So, 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 so I like I like to hear stories of uh, of the quest for knowledge uh, combining with the quest for uh, romance. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it was not your intention in the first place, I don't mean to—I don't mean to imply anything there. <laughs> well, cool, Chris. Uh, as a Bandersnatch patron at our highest level, uh, you were very, very, uh, very, very. First of all, very thank you very much for your patronage. Uh, you get to choose a very special episode of your own uh, choosing, and as we were talking, I guess we came to the idea of actually steer it into the pun, as it were, and. We're going to do a very special episode. Uh, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about what you think that means? <laughs> well, I'm thinking um, we're going to learn some lessons about life and friendship. And at the end of the day, I'm sure we'll all laugh about it and it'll be over by the end of the episode with no lessons to take away from it. Mm, the more you know, indeed. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were kind of talking about it. And uh, back in the day, uh, the 80s, uh, in particular, although it started probably a little bit before that in the 70s, and it definitely moved on in through the 90s and to a lesser extent today, although the tradition still goes on. But sitcoms were really uh, inconsequential fluff back in the day. Nothing much serious happened. Uh, you know, they were what I like to call reset scripts and that, you know, at, at the end of the day, no matter what happened, if you tuned in next week, everything would have been reset back to normal. Nothing of consequence would take place. But once in a while, and usually once a season, uh, with the exception of Blossom, which I think did it every week just because, uh, there was a very special episode where they decided to throw caution to the wind and not be funny. But to do something serious, uh, a, a topic of the day, a, 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 uh, an issue of uh, social import, one or more of the characters would have to deal with some sort of uh, serious situation, which then would be solved with a few jokes by the end of the episode and nothing would happen. <laughs> that, that's pretty much my understanding. Your understanding as well? Absolutely. 
All right. So with that in mind, uh, we are going to have a, a normal episode, except for the fact that every single question is going to be about one of these very special episodes from television history. And some of them will ask for the names of the show. Some of them will ask the name of the uh, characters involved. And some will ask uh, perhaps what the uh, very special episode was all about. But uh, let's see how this goes, Chris. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. As always, as usual, folks, four rounds, four questions each. In each round, I will let Chris know the categories in order they'll be using for each round. Before I read each question, he gets to lock in how many points he wishes each question to be worth. Get it right. He gets the points. It is just that simple. There's also going to be our usual halftime bonus worth 10 points at the end of the game. Chris will get to field what we call the confidence question. His last chance to try and improve his final score. I will explain all of that when we get there. But first, a PSA. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> First, let me read to you the categories we're going to be using in round one. As always, point values available to you are one, three, five, and seven. And here are the wacky categories that we're going to be using today. We're going to kick things off with not really feeling festive, followed up with gray-ish, moving along to maximum security. And we're going to wrap up round one with I'm not sure you know what that word means. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All special categories for a very special episode. Chris, we're going to kick things off with not really feeling festive. One, three, five, or seven. Well, we have to learn a lesson here, so we'll start out strong and go with seven. Seven points. Yes. So uh, the lesson will either be uh, uh, look before you leap, or uh, he who hesitates is lost, which are contradictory morals we've all been taught. I, I tell you. What's what's this world coming to? All right. Good luck, sir. Good luck to you. Good luck to me. I hope this works. Here is your first question. Not really feeling festive. In a rare instance of real life events directly making sense to be dealt with on a particular show, what real life tragedy was explored on an episode of WKRP in Cincinnati less than three months after it happened? Oh, wow. Pretty I know sure you. I know you had told me you were like an '80s fan. It was a little bit before then, but uh, so in its general ballpark. <laughs> well, let's see. The only thing I could remember about WKRP in Cincinnati at the moment is the famous line: "As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly." So I'm going to say, turkeys falling out of a helicopter. <laughs> turkeys falling out of a helicopter. Indeed, uh, on WKRP in Cincinnati, there is a, a very famous episode where uh, the radio station decides to do a giveaway of free turkeys on on Thanksgiving. Uh, unfortunately, turkeys cannot fly, and when they threw turkeys out of the helicopter, they all plummeted to their death. A very, very sad episode, but not anything that was based, to my knowledge, on a real-life event. No, no... Um, because uh, WRKRP was a radio station in Cincinnati, the writers of the show thought it would be appropriate to deal with something that made sense for them to be dealing with, which was a, a concert uh, in which the gallery seating or festival seating uh, was overbooked. And uh, they only opened one door at the arena. And when everybody went to rush into the concert, there was a stampede that uh, ended up with 11 people dying. Uh, and so they decided, you know, we need to deal with this. And the network fought them at first. But uh, after a while, they uh, kind of uh, caved uh, and said, you know what? You're, you're right. Uh, it would be stupid for this particular show not to address this particular thing. And so the real life event we're looking at is uh, the concert stampede 
in Cincinnati uh, for the Who, the Who concert. What's everybody got such a long face for? You didn't listen to our station this morning, did you? No. Mr. Carlson, I don't know how to tell you this. Uh, Eleven kids lost their lives last night at that concert. What are you talking about, Travis? Is this is some kind of bad joke? No, sir, I wish it were. The band was not told until it was uh, over, and they, the, the concert went on, and uh, it, it, it set the stage for a reform uh, of the way we do uh, general admission seating, uh, which is why, thankfully, there haven't been too many repeats uh, of this nature. Fun, fun start, right? Yeah, super fun. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like your episode better. I mean, in terms of <laughs> laughter. Again, these are very special episodes. That was kind of the cringeworthy worthy beauty of these is that, you know, you were tuning in expecting to forget about your cares for a while and and you were hit with this this sledgehammer of seriousness that you would hope at least this episode was praised for not laughing it away with a joke at the end. Uh, and again, it was one of the rare cases where this was real. So it made sense for them to do it. Uh, things just got real for you as you do not get your seven points, but nope. hopefully, you know, it's early on. It's early on. Plenty of questions left. Uh, grayish is our next category. One, three, or five. Still not learning lessons yet, so uh, let's go with the five. All right. Five points indeed. Good luck to you, sir. Here is your five-point question. Nearly every episode of Blackish involves a take on some sort of controversial issue of the day. However, one topic was such a hot potato that ABC refused to air it at all. What was the controversy surrounding the scrapped episode, Please, Baby, Please, that was never aired and never will be? Wow, that one is outside of my time of watching television. But, so, it, is, but it is current day, so, you know, perhaps you have, it, it, it's been in the news, uh, you know, uh, uh, recently, uh, certainly in the last few years. So maybe, maybe there's a shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Please, Baby, Please. I don't know. There's so many things that go through your head when you just try to come up with a something from that title. Um, let's go with abortion. Abortion would definitely be a serious topic that perhaps, uh, certainly in today's uh, as we speak, climate is uh, definitely making the rounds. So perhaps the ABC would not want to piss off the advertisers by taking a stance. Uh, if I had, instead of used the phrase hot potato, if I had said political football, would perhaps you have gotten it then? Um, no. Uh, well, Please Baby Please was an episode in which the uh, there was a baby in the house. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm going by what I've read because it's never aired and never will be. They, they scrapped it entirely. Uh, there's a baby in the house and Anthony Anderson uh, is trying to uh, get the, the baby to go to sleep and is making up bedtime stories. Uh, and one of the bedtime stories that he makes up is the story of Colin Kaepernick and whether or not it is right for him to take a knee. And he gets into an argument with his uh, son about it. And since it was uh, uh, the whole Colin Kaepernick taking a knee uh, issue was a, a very uh, political football, as it were, uh, they said, no, you're not going anywhere near this, uh, even though it had already been written and filmed. Eventually, they just said no. And uh, you and I... And everybody else will never see said episode until, of course, the somehow the footage leaks on the internet about ten years from now. We all we all laugh at how stupid we were to have avoided the topic in the first place. <laughs> no kidding. That was amazing. The looks on their faces. You spoke truth to power. You know what, son? I'm glad you were there to witness it. And my dad is Kaepernick. Ah, well, you know, son, I just do what I can. 
<laughs> oh, man. It is not looking like a good start. But you know how these things work, Chris. Is it starts out very bleak. But by the end of the episode, we're all going to be laughing and forget that these first two questions ever happened, right? <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm aiming for. <laughs> well, two questions left. The two lowest scores, but you know, let's see if we can get you on the board. And 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 you know, once I feel the momentum will build from there. Maximum security is our next category. Uh, would you like the one, or would you like the three? Let's go with the three. Three points. Now, this one is essentially at its core multiple choice. <laughs> so, I mean, I, it, it's multiple choice if you don't know the answer. So, at least there's going to be a guess here. I don't know how how uh, if this is in your wheelhouse, but we shall see. Good luck. Three points. Maximum security. Which member of the Golden Girls has a relapse of a previously unmentioned gambling addiction only to realize the error of her ways and the problem returns to the land of forgotten plots by the end of the episode? (laughs) Oh, no. Um, hmm. I could see any one of them having a gambling addiction. (laughs) Um, Definitely hanging out in those bingo halls. Would it be Sophia? I feel like I've seen this episode. I think Rose had her own little issues come up, so I don't think they used her for that one. Would it be Dorothy? I could see her really getting into the blackjack or something like that. Um, I think I'm going to go with Sophia. Sophia is your answer. So um, obviously every one of the girls gets their time in the barrel, as it were, and uh, has the uh, plot center on them. Uh, I believe the very special episode involving Rose that most uh, – gets the attention of uh, these compilation lists of very special episodes is that she has an AIDS scare at one point and she, you know, is waiting for the test results to come in. That's a common TV trope in these types of episodes. But Rose is only involved in so much as that she wants to go to the track to watch the horse races and uh, she brings Dorothy with her. And unfortunately, uh, Dorothy has a horse race gambling addiction, wagers on the ponies, and tries to essentially steal money from Rose to continue her wagering. And there's an intervention, and she calls up at the end, I need counseling. And I guess it worked because, again, it was never mentioned again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dorothy. Hello. I'm Dorothy Zbornak. I I have an appointment about the vice principal's job. Unfortunately, my car broke down and I'm stuck here at the auto mechanics. Is there any way that Mr. Pratt could see me later this afternoon? He could. 4.45 would be perfect. Thanks so much. I'll see you then. $20 to win on Ma's mouth. Yeah, maximum security, of course, uh, refers to the uh, Kentucky Derby horse who was just disqualified. So there's a little nod to the horses there, but it was not important to, to get this answer right. Like I said, it was multiple choice. You chose poorly, but you know, it's all good in the hood. You know, we're, we're getting better because at least you mentioned a golden girl. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've... if you had said Lorelai and I was like, no, that's the Gilmore girls, <laughs> <laughs> we would have definitely been in trouble here and I might have pressed pause on this episode. <laughs> One question left in round one. One point is all that is uh, left for this question. Let us see if you can get on the board with, I'm not sure you know what that word means. And the word in question here is good, as in good times, because this episode's times were not very good (laughs) whatsoever. Uh, Child abuse was the focus of a multi-episode story arc on good times. When a little girl named Penny starts hanging around the Evans apartment, 
afraid to go home to her abusive and controlling mother. Who played Penny? Who played Penny? Good times. Not so good times. <laughs> no one's name is coming to mind. Chris is getting hassled. Chris getting hustled. <laughs> He's not keeping his head above water. <laughs> that is absolutely accurate. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. I'm struggling to think of anyone. Well, I will tell you there's a minor, minor clue in the uh, in the question when I say she was afraid to go home to her abusive and controlling mother. Minor clue. Abusive and controlling mother. But perhaps by even pointing that out, I might have steered you down a completely blind path. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right now, it's can I come up with anyone's name that would fit into anywhere within that time frame and make sense as a young girl afraid to go home to her abusive and controlling mother. Yeah, I don't think I could come up with anyone. Let's see. Nope, I'm going to have to tap out on that. Tapping out on the good times. Boom, 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 boom. So, uh, yeah, this, I mean, I remember watching this when I was uh, around the same age as Penny, if not, if not even younger. My goodness. Uh, Penny started hanging around. Uh, she followed JJ Dynamite around. And uh, just, they finally were like, why don't you want to go home? And turns out that, uh, well, when she did go home, her, her mother would beat her up and even we see her taking an iron <laughs> to her shows up the next the next day with burns on her arms Ooh, just another light-hearted sitcom uh the keyword there was control this was a uh, uh, an actress who would go on to become a pop singer she probably knew a lot about having abusive parents at home but maybe that's just rumor Allegedly, allegedly, can't get in trouble if you say allegedly. <laughs> we are talking about the uh, singer from the album Control, Janet Jackson. Ah, okay. And now that you say that name, the image of that episode immediately springs to mind. You make me very unhappy, Penny. And you know what happens to children that make their mamas unhappy. <sighs> I locked it. I knew that would be the first place you tried to hide. Please, Mama, I promise I won't be a bad girl anymore. Please, I won't be a bad girl anymore. Please, I promise. Please. Oh, no, Mama, please. Please don't do it. Please. Yeah, this wasn't exactly a very special episode so much as this is a very special story arc um, where uh, this went on for about three or four episodes. And at the end, uh, uh, the neighbor, Walona, uh, confronts the mother and the, the audience just goes nuts when Walona basically kicks her to the curb and decides she's going to adopt Penny herself. So <laughs> this one had, had this actually had long lasting effects on the show. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the way love goes. Anyway, round two is coming up. We're just going to forget that round one ever happened. Much like these episodes, we're going to reset and uh, assume that round one never took place whatsoever, because I think you'd prefer it that way. <laughs> yes, yes, I would like this stricken from the record. Overruled. It counts zero points out of 16. But know what? The point values are going to increase here, and I think we're going to... Now, now, now that we've gotten over that first commercial break, I think, here, and, and things are going to be a little bit in the part of the show where we learn more about the issue, but things don't get worse just yet. <laughs> <laughs> so good. For the second half. <laughs> Round two point balance available to you, Chris. Are two, four, six, and eight. 
here are our new category names for this round. Kicking things off with I'm So Scared. Moving along to The Tools of Ignorance. And we're going to go on to Classroom Buzz. And we're going to wrap up the first half with Burning Love. So, first things first in this round. I'm So Scared. Two, four, six, or eight. And a warning, it's not what you think. I kind of assume that <laughs> the way these things are going. Uh, we'll go to the middle ground where I'm almost learning the lesson, but not quite. And we'll start with four. Four points for I'm So Scared. Good luck. And here we go. Look, if I'm doing a very special episode of Beat My Guest, it is far too easy for me to ask what kind of pills Jesse Spano was addicted to on Saved by the Bell. There were caffeine pills, right? Yeah, exactly. See? Far too easy. No, no, no. Instead, I am asking what Sabrina the Teenage Witch became addicted to in a season three episode of her show. (laughs) I'm assuming we're talking about the Melissa John Hart version and not the one that's on Netflix, right? Yeah, I don't believe they're up to season three just yet. So yeah, we are we are talking about Melissa Joan Hart and uh, Caroline Ray as her aunt. I've got a story about Caroline Ray. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I were uh, chosen to uh, be contestants for a pilot of a game show. And uh, Caroline Ray was the host of said game show. It was called Pop Smarts. And it essentially was pretty much just television trivia. And so uh, we for, for zero prizes other than a home version of the game, we, we made it to the, uh, the final round where we, coincidentally enough, had to name songs by one of the Jacksons, but uh, not Janet, Michael. And the idea was we had to go back and forth alternating between the two of us as to uh, name all the songs on Thriller. And it got to my turn, and I'm, I'm about to give my answer, and Caroline Ray starts punching me in the arm. <laughs> which is really distracting i'm like what are you doing she's like beat it beat it I'm like i didn't need your help <laughs> <laughs> is, is that kosher the host helping the contestants well you know it, it it's a pilot so i guess um uh, but so i guess you could say i too was abused on television <laughs> just like jenny jackson on good times indeed it all comes full circle however <laughs> whether that has helped you at all with what sabrina the teenage witch's addiction was i do not know what do you think melissa joan hart might have been addicted to on that show uh, i have no idea i never watched sabrina all i know is um the cat was voiced by what was it nick bakay nick bakay that's right i had it for you if you needed it uh, <laughs> sportscaster nick bakay yes yes all right. All I remember is his voice. I don't remember anything about the show other than she was a teenager, presumably, and a witch. <laughs> um, let's see. Would it be something really simple and human related, like, say, alcohol or heroin? Who knows? She is a witch. <laughs> uh, or would it be something supernatural, like, I don't know, ghost farts or something like that? <laughs> I'll take the human route, and I will go with alcohol. Alcohol is your answer. I think you were probably uh, not wrong to avoid doing some sort of thing like ghost parts. Certainly, uh, you know no, the interesting. 
yeah, the, the interesting thing about uh, Melissa Joan Hart being on the show with with witchcraft and everything is that she's starring now in like all these born again Christian movies, like God's Not Dead, and and, and these like serious like oh witchcraft is evil stuff. It's just bizarre to me that 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 she's doing that. Although she will, uh, I believe she's going to appear in a reboot of Clarissa Explains It All as like uh, the parent of the new Clarissa. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, they do the thing on on sabrina where it is real but it's kind of that oh this is a metaphor for the real thing so although she was addicted to things in the same way that grown-ups would be addicted to alcohol or 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 drugs she's magic and a witch and as you know (laughs) all witches if they eat one pancake cannot stop eating pancakes i i don't think that sentence leads with as you know for very many people <laughs> yeah pancakes is the answer i mean the rest of the, the episode is pretty much straightforward this is exactly what the episode would be if it was alcohol or drugs um it addresses eating disorders and bulimia in a way but it it, it basically it yeah they get to be jokey about it because at the end of the day it's pancakes well i guess i have a problem then because i too am addicted to pancakes my aunt said this to me. They put weird thoughts in my head. I am not getting hooked on pancakes. Hey, what's in there? <laughs> French toast. Move along. Yeah, um, well, I think uh, I'll just hop over. I hop over to the next. Anyway, eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> there was a joke there. It failed miserably. That's okay. So did that episode. Uh, Tools of Ignorance are next. Two points, six points, or eight points. Oh, well, apparently I am a tool of ignorance, so (laughs) let's go with eight points. Eight points! The tools of ignorance. Uh, Good luck. And here we go. In an episode of Home Improvement, the tailors spend an agonizing day waiting for test results, afraid that Jonathan Taylor Thomas, a.k.a. Randy Taylor, may have cancer. Luckily, he did not. But what was he actually diagnosed with on the show? Were you a tool time watcher there? Uh, (laughs) I was. I was. At least until a certain point. Everybody loved themselves the JTT. So uh, this was a very, very special episode because he might be dying. No, don't worry. They wouldn't do that. What was he actually diagnosed with that they thought was cancer? See, I'm trying to remember. Might have been blinded by the pure emotion of the episode. I remember him crying. I don't want to die, Dad. Um, cannot remember it all. Yeah, I'm trying to run th- through things in my head and keep coming back to a hyperactive th- thyroid. So I think that's going to stick in my head and I won't be able to dislodge it. So I'm going to go with that, even though I sincerely doubt that's the issue. All right. So you're going with a hyperactive thyroid. Well, uh, Randy uh, went to the doctor in the first place because he... Had a little bit of a swollen throat. They found a giant lump, thought it was cancer. Turns out he had a hyperactive thyroid. Eight points for you. Well done. They did tell him he would have to take a pill a day for the rest of his life in order to counteract it. And you never saw him take a pill ever on that show. No, 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 you did not. At least I assume because I didn't actually watch the show. But (laughs) maybe he'd go behind the fence with Wilson and take it. That's where they put things that you, they don't want you to see, right? Behind the fence? Exactly. I know you're scared. You know, I know how you feel. Don't. I don't want to die, Dad. Oh, come on. 
you're not going to die, even if you had cancer, which you don't, you do not have that. It's a treatable kind, okay? Well done. Eight points for you. You are on the board. Yeah. <laughs> Beginning to try and come up with uh, all these ideas in my head of what I was going to have to do to get you to come back for the second half. But <laughs> it's a very special episode. My guest disappears. <laughs> is replaced by another guest who says he's Chris, but he's not Chris. It's like the bewitch thing all over again. <laughs> all right. Well done. Eight points. Now we're cooking with gas. Now we're on a roll. Now we're cruising. Here is our next question. It is classroom buzz. Two points or six points, sir? Ah, let's see. Let's go with two points on the classroom. Two points on the classroom buzz. Good luck. And here is your question. In the season two finale of Punky Brewster, our titular girl gives a report at school about what she wants to be when she grows up. Very shortly thereafter, her classmates tell her she's crazy. What did she want to be when she grew up? I do not remember Punky Brewster. Actually, I do remember Punky Brewster. The problem is, for some reason, I always conflate her in my head with Small Wonder. I have no idea why. Just in my head, it's the same girl playing both parts. (laughs) Punky Brewster. What would she want to be when she grew up? She could be like me and say she wanted to be a mailman when she grew up and get made fun of by her classmates. I am not a mailman. (laughs) Not, and there's nothing wrong with being a mailman. Not, not at all. Of course, at the time, at the time the show was on the air, I'm sure just the fact that she said she wanted to be a mailman probably would have gotten her ridicule. But that's no. the, the, let's let's take the sexism out of it. They 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 were eleven, <laughs> if that. <laughs> would she want to be something legitimate and get made fun of for that just because the other kids didn't think she could do it, or is it something a little off the wall? In the Punky Brewster way. Well, now, in fairness, I didn't say they made fun of her. I said they told her she was crazy. So I'm going to go with a baseball player. A baseball player. Indeed, that is certainly uh, something that even today might uh, be considered crazy, uh, even as we've had now a TV show with the first female uh, professional pitcher on it pitch on Fox, which lasted one season and then went away. No, unfortunately, baseball player is not the answer. Uh, there was a bit of a hint in the category title, Classroom Buzz. This is the very uplifting episode where Punky decides that she wants to be an astronaut. Ah. And then shortly after she gives the speech, she and her classmates watch the Challenger space shuttle explosion. And everybody tells her she's crazy for wanting to be an astronaut. Luckily, the teacher knows Buzz Aldrin and invites him to come and talk to the class to tell everybody why she's not crazy and why we have to continue to uh, aspire to going to the stars. And so she says, you know what? I do want to be an astronaut until next season when I forget all about it and instead want to be a refrigerator repairman or something. I don't know. Thank you. Would you like to join the Young Astronaut Program? You bet. Just fill this out and mail it in. (laughs) Well, I don't think you're crazy, Punky. I believe in you. Cannot give you the points, but uh, hey, you just might learn something along the way. (laughs) Do you need a hug? (laughs) I could use one, yeah. Uh, well, no time for that. We have to tackle Burning Love. And Burning Love comes with six points. Are you ready for this question? I'm ready. 
Randy Carpenter, not to be confused with Randy, son of Tool Time Taylor. Randy Carpenter was a Milwaukee firefighter who died in an apartment blaze, much to the shock and horror of his girlfriend, Laverne DeFazio, who played Randy. I believe I remember this episode. I feel like it's right there, but I also feel like it might not come to me. <laughs> yeah, it's just not coming into my head. So what you're saying is that somewhere in that head, you think you know his name, but it's just not coming to you. I can tell you right now that as soon as you say his name, everything will come flashing back. Let's see, Laverne and Shirley, what'll fit that time frame? Um, I'll go with uh, John Travolta. John Travolta, a fine guess, fine guess, certainly would fit the time frame. You know, they did this, this is again a TV trope, that when they want to have some tragic death on a TV show, they simply introduce the character in that show just so that they can kill them off or have them suffer some sort of horrible incident and they're never seen again. Well, obviously in the case of death, that would be the case, but just <laughs> just in general, that's, that's kind of the thing. Oh, my house burned down. Oh, let's all raise money for the house that burned down. Bye, neighbor who we never see again. <laughs> I tried to give you a hint without really beating up on the hint when I said that you know his name. In fact, everybody knows his name because sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Ted Danson. Yeah. Sam Malone from Cheers himself was Randy the firefighter dating Laverne DeFazio. Apparently we just died at the fire. Yeah, it was, it was a big fire. It was a really big fire, and, and Randy was there fighting it. Yeah, he was fighting it really good, too. Are oh, you being so proud of him? I am proud of him. Then, then the wind picked up out of no place, and, and the roof collapsed, and everybody was running around and yelling. The burn, Randy's dead. Get out. <sighs> well, Levine, no points for you on that question, but we are on the board. We got eight points in that round. I'm going to add the eight points to the, uh, oh, hang on, carry the one to the zero. You had to put, to put. Eight points is what we have as we head into the half. But that's okay, because halftime, as you know, is our only partial credit question of the game. It is very simple. I'm going to ask you the question. We're going to take a small break for a word from our sponsors, perhaps, again, a few PSAs, maybe uh, a word from the United Way or some sort of uh, Ranspeer local uh, attorney at law to help you in case you've suffered uh, from an incident that perhaps might be brought up at some point during the course of our game. Uh, when we get back from that, hopefully you'll have the answers to the question. Are you ready, sir? Yes, I am. Very often, a very special episode comes about because a character has to die on the television show due to the real-life death of the actor who was playing that character. Uh, for two points each, I am going to give you the names of five shows which had to deal with the situation... And when we come back from the break, I'd like you to give me the name of the actor whose death forced the writer's hands. Okay? So number one will be Glee. Number two will be Eight Simple Rules. Number three will be Sesame Street. Number four, Cover Up. And number five, News Radio. Take a little bit of time to work on those answers. And we'll be back after the break.
If you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron. Just like Matthew, Chris, Terry, and many others who have joined since the start of the season. Check out patreon.com slash beatmyguest for details. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week on a very special episode is Chris Fumafredo. And when we last left Chris, he was sitting on eight points, working on the following halftime bonus question. Very often in very special episodes, well, we have to replace a character because the actor who portrays this character has died in real life. And so the character is written out of the show uh, somehow, usually dying as well and they have a funeral and they kind of celebrate the actor's life as well as the character's life and it's very emotional it's a very special episode for two points each i have asked chris to name for me the actor whose death forced the writer's hands in each of the following series let's go over these one at a time are you ready sir sure okay let us kick things off with uh what actor forced the writers of glee to do a rewrite well, I know his face. Can't remember his name. I don't know if his first name is Corey or if his character's name was Corey or if I'm thinking of something else entirely. But that's all I could come up with for that one. Okay, that's all you could come up for that one. Unfortunately, cannot give you the points, though you uh, you were in the ballpark there. Corey was the correct answer of his first name. That was Corey Monteith, who okay. played Finn Hudson. Very sad as uh, he uh, died of an overdose. You know, the, his character on the show had also dealt with some similar issues. And uh, no points for you, unfortunately. Let's move on to eight simple rules. That would be the late, great John Ritter. John Ritter is correct for two points. Yeah, he played the father on the show, married to Katie Seagal. And uh, unfortunately, he, he passed away. And they, they continued the show without him. They just had a funeral. And then mom was raising uh, the kids herself. So, uh, yeah, not, not, uh, uh, not a pleasant situation there for any show when, this, when someone with that kind of uh, magnitude passes away. Yeah. It doesn't mean it can't work. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Sesame Street. Uh, this is a good question. I have no idea what his name was other than Mr. Hooper. Uh, I'm going to give it to you for Mr. Hooper. That's really all I was looking for there. Uh, I I did not expect you to know that his name was Will Lee, uh, although that was his name. Yeah, Mr. Hooper, the actor died, and so Big Bird uh, has to basically learn what death is as much much as uh, all the children watching the show, and he just couldn't grasp the concept that, uh, well, I'll just give this picture to Mr. Hooper when he comes back later. And like, no, he's never coming back. Never. Yeah, uh, they still to this day keep. Uh, uh, there's a picture of Mr. Hooper in in Big Bird's nest that he still sleeps next to. Still to this day, very nice. Mr. Hooper, two points for you. Cover up. Cover up. I've never heard of cover up. That will make it a little more difficult for you, but let's see what you can do. <laughs> Trying to think of people who have died that would be associated with a show called Cover Up, and I cannot think of anyone, so I'm going to leave that one blank. Okay. Uh, yeah, this was a show about uh, a modeling agency where the, the models turn spies, kind of thing. Uh, but it was a serious drama, and ah, man, this is just this is just super tragic. Uh, they were shooting a scene where uh, the star of the show uh, was supposed to fire off a couple of rounds at at the perp. There were 
taking a bit too long to get the scene shot. And so uh, by way of goof, he uh, put the gun to his head and pulled the trigger uh, to kind of like joke around. And he didn't realize that even though it was a blank, it would still kill him. <sighs> yeah. Not, not, not smart. Uh, very tragic. Uh, the actor's name was John Eric Hexum. You might know him from Voyagers with Mino Palouse was a uh, time traveling uh, explorers. But yeah, he he uh, he died. And what's what's fascinating to me is how quickly the turnaround was. How quick the turnaround was for television shows. He shot himself. Uh, they stopped filming for a week just to deal with it. They cast somebody else who was going to replace him going forward, uh, and aired an episode where they address his death in two weeks. Like that's the turnaround. Wow. It's just crazy how different the industry has <laughs> changed where these seasons can sit for like three years. And then, then, you know, here, here's 15 episodes. Binge away. <laughs> I guess the show must go on. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Last one. News radio. Uh, this is definitely the most tragic one of all um, with uh, Phil Hartman passing away during the filming of news radio. I believe. Indeed, it is Phil Hartman. Uh, not only did uh, News Radio have to deal with it, but uh, The Simpsons had to deal with it. Uh, no more Lionel Hutz. Uh, yeah, uh, not not a fun time. Not a fun question, but uh, you know, sometimes very special episodes turn towards the tragic. Uh, you're scoring in that round, however. Yeah, there's a good segue. <laughs> death, 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 points! Yay! <laughs> Look, get over it, people. It's a trivia show. Uh, <laughs> six points for you. We're going to add the six points you got in that round to the eight points you had coming in. 14 points as we head to round three. How are you feeling now that you've got halftime out of the way? Well, just happy to be in double digits. I feel like uh, I'm absorbing the lesson now, and <laughs> I'm going to learn what needs to be learned by the end of this. Yeah, well, unfortunately, uh, round three is where uh, things are always darkest before the dawn, and things are going to get noticeably worse here. <laughs> I, I think you might find out. Who knows? Maybe maybe you can pull a Howard Jones and things can only get better. I don't know. We'll see. The point values are going to stay the same at 2468. However, the category is going to change. Here is what they are going to change to. Kicking things off with Cry Wolf. Moving along to Thankfully, Mom's Alive. And we're going to follow it up with Not Close Enough. And we're going to round out round three with Slow Motion Slugfest. So, first things first, Cry Wolf, two, four, six, or eight. Let's see, Cry Wolf. Um, hoping this isn't about a very special episode of MTV's Teen Wolf, because I never watched that. Let's go with two, just to be, sh just to be a little cautious on it. Fair enough. Proceeding cautiously is probably a wise course of action, just in general, but we shall see. On what show did one of the main child characters get in trouble for fabricating a story for a school journalism project, only then to not be believed by the teacher when actually uncovering a kidnapped child? You said you wanted the name of the show? The name of the show, yes. That's what we're looking for here. Does that plot sound familiar at all? <laughs> <laughs> Not particularly. Why would it? <laughs> <laughs> Kidnapped children. Journalism class. Is it, was it a journalism class or a journalism project? Or? Journalism project. Um, this sounds like something that might have happened on Boy Meets World. So I'll go with that. It certainly does sound like something that might have happened on Boy Meets World. I can 
almost in my my mind's eye picture of Mr. Feeney screaming <laughs> at Topanga or something. <laughs> no, unfortunately, that is not uh, correct. So this is from a, an episode of, of this particular sitcom called The Girl on the Milk Cart. And uh, the son of the family goes to school and uh, assigned with his best friend. They, they're assigned to write a story, you know, just do some journalism, do some reporting, come up with a story. And they uh, fabricate a story that there's like horse meat in the hamburgers in the, in the cafeteria. And of course, you know, they turn it in and cafeteria lady is very upset because, of course, that is not true. And no one believes them at all, of course. And they yell at them and said, no, you need to come up with a real story. You know, when they go home, much hilarity is found by that uh, they're waiting for a story to stare at them in the face. And right there on the back of the milk carton is a picture of the girl who is sitting at the table who is the new girl who has just moved to school and they they figure out that hey this new girl who's just moved to school is actually missing because she's been kidnapped by her own father and so they write the story on that and uh, they're not believed that they know it's true <laughs> and so basically in the process reveal to the girl that she's on the milk carton and she goes home to confront her dad and the dad runs off with her and they're never seen again what a great story huh yeah that makes me feel really good about yeah, there right. there is there is a coda where the phone rings and it goes, "Oh, great, they found her. Great, awesome. Hang up. Now let's have some cake." Uh, you know, I I, I don't get it. This was uh, an episode, surprisingly, where it was focused on the son because the robot daughter had nothing to do with this episode. Uh, you mentioned the show earlier. Yes, this was Small Wonder, a preemptive Small Wonder from you earlier in the show, sir. Uh, <laughs> it was bad. Come on, guys, cheer up. I mean, after all, you two did win the journalism contest with your story. I know. I feel so bad about Chrissy. Yeah, me too. Now, you guys are going to feel a lot better when you bury your face in a big piece of that cake, huh? Very bad. (laughs) Yes, it was. How can you not know there's something fishy with the daughter who talks like a robot all the time? (laughs) It was a simpler time, AJ. I guess. Good old Vicky. Uh, yeah, uh, I highly recommend. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I was gonna say I highly recommend you track it down this episode. No, it's 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 really jeez. Uh, up next, thankfully, mom's alive for six or eight points. Uh, let's go for four on this one. Four points. Good luck. And here we go. The first ever primetime use of the word condom happened in an episode of what sitcom? When the oldest son of the family buys some in advance of a potential first time, many stations either refused to air the episode altogether or delayed it until midnight. Delaying episodes until midnight. I wonder when the last time that happened was. Might have been this. Let's see. Oldest son. I'm going to go with Growing Pains. Growing Pains is your answer. Uh, certainly, that is something that might have happened on Growing Pains. Uh, although, uh, looking back, much as the uh, Melissa Joan Hart churchy stuff, she would probably not yeah. do it. Kirk Cameron was probably not going to look back on that episode too fondly, <laughs> if that were the case. Uh, no, no, unfortunately, not the case. There was a bit of a clue in the fact that I said, thankfully, mom's alive because mom had to deal with this. She would not be alive much longer as this was her final season on the show before they killed her off. <laughs> this was Jason Bateman hoping to get it on with the old friend who moved back in town or was, was visiting. And he decides at the end of the episode that he's just not ready after a big heart to heart with his mother played by Valerie Harper. This was 
Valerie, uh, the show that would then the next year become the Hogan family because Valerie wanted too much creative control, and so they fired her, killed off her character, and brought Sandy Duncan in as the aunt. <laughs> yep, I remember that. Yeah, don't remember that episode though. I'll still I'll be at the game. David, pay attention. <laughs> Skip the game. We can meet back here. <laughs> While I'm at my interview, uh, you could just go down to the drugstore and pick up some protection. You know, condoms. At least nobody died in the in the asking of that question. <laughs> I mean, you know, they killed Valerie later, but it had nothing to do with the condoms, <laughs> as far as I know. Uh, not close enough is next. Uh, you were not close enough on that answer. <laughs> Let's see how close you are with this one. Six points or eight points. Not close enough. Um, let's go six. Six points as we move up the ladder to six points. Here is your not close enough question. Soundly panned as one of the most misguided, very special episodes of all time. On Too Close for Comfort, what character is not believed when claiming to have been kidnapped and raped? I could see his face. Can I remember his name? I was just watching um, Spaceballs last night, and he plays Prince Valium. What was his name on the show? Uh, uh, Chris racking his brains. <laughs> I, this is one of those ones where I know it's absolutely in there, but nothing's shaking it out. Can you just picture Ted Knight yelling at him? Maybe use his voice in your head. <laughs> oh, I could definitely picture Ted Knight yelling at people. <laughs> his real name's getting stuck in my head, and nothing's coming around that. Whoever was played by Jim J. Bullock, or J.M. J. Bullock, as you know then. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jim J. Bullock is indeed the actor. You know, I feel you've learned something along the way here. So just by the mere fact of coming up with Jim J. Bullock, I am going to give you half the points for this one. Oh, thank you, sir. I'm going to, because the trick, you know, the trick for this question is, of course, that, you know, there are two daughters on the show. There's Jackie and Sarah, uh, played by Lydia Cornell and Deborah Van Valkenburg. Yeah, I know that off the top of my head. Shut up. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, Jim J. Bullock's character, Monroe Ficus. Monroe. Monroe is the answer, yes. Monroe. Exactly. We're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my cosmic cow? Uh, yeah, this episode, you know, on the one hand, it's kind of visionary because you would think one of the two daughters would be the ones who would get sexually assaulted, and it is Monroe. And that, even for the time, was like, wow, oh my goodness. Except it's played for laughs and yuck yucks. Because like, oh my goodness, how could a... the whole point of the episode is like, well, guys can't get raped. There's no way that guys could get raped. That's the point of the episode, which is just preposterous. And then on top of that, I mean, Monroe is always played as if he's a little not all there. So there's there's the creepiness of that. Monroe, what do you mean that you cooperated? Uh, I'd rather not talk about it. <laughs> Does anyone know what's going on here? I think I do. Those two women were attracted to Moreau, and they desired him and helped themselves. Helped themselves to what? To Monroe. They had their way with him. And then it's it veers into 
into body shaming because he says that yeah these two these two women uh assaulted me there, there was a the small one did this to me and then the big one did this and the small one did this to me and then the big one did this and then he decides to track them down they go to the apartment the door opens up and a, like a 300 pound woman opens the door and he goes oh no the small one <sighs> yeah yeah oh ha 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 sexual assault is funny <laughs> yeah it, the problem was it wasn't a very special episode at all it was just a, a regular show that you know, <laughs> they thought this was hilarious, but it was not. But nevertheless, I'm giving you the three points just for coming up with Jim J. Bullock and the fact that it was the guy and not the girls, because that was such an unusual aspect of this show. And it's my show. I make the rules. Uh, <laughs> slow motion slugfest is next. And last in the round, it is worth eight points or maybe four. If you get close enough, who knows? <laughs> Anything could happen. Because uh, <laughs> I'm trying to teach you never give up. <laughs> right? Isn't that right, Buzz? That's right, Punky. <laughs> Eight points. Slow motion slugfest. Good luck. And here we go. In the Bash at the Beach episode of Baywatch, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, ooh, yeah, Macho Man, Ric Flair, and Vader all wrestle to raise money for a youth center. But that's only part of the very special episode. What does Stephanie played by Alexandra Paul, discover in that very same episode. Well, you would think I would have been watching this show since that was right around my early teenage years, and I did enjoy wrestling, and I figure I would have come across that at one point. <laughs> um, I remember Baywatch Nights, which was a really weird show, but I never really watched regular episodes of Baywatch. Yeah, we're not just lifeguards, we're detectives. <laughs> exactly. Wasn't there like sometimes a supernatural element to it as well? Like it's X-File-ish? I don't know. I never watched it, although you might be conflating that with Friday the 13th, which is not Friday the 13th. Uh, it was a different Friday the 13th that they called Friday the 13th, but it wasn't about Friday the 13th. About a haunted oh, right. antique shop starring right. Roby. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yes, people, I know this stuff. <laughs> I'm not proud. So, <laughs> so the question is, what did she find out? What did she discover, Stephanie, in that she, very same episode, oh, yeah. making it a two-for-one on the very special episode, Ledger? What could she have possibly discovered? Let's see. She was a lifeguard, always stumbling on strange crimes that they brought to the beach for some reason. I'm going to say that the wrestling match was a front for money laundering. <laughs> the wrestling match was a front for money laundering. That is certainly something she might have discovered. You know, she probably wouldn't have discovered that because the wrestling match actually was taken directly from a live WCW event. This is this is when they went to the WCW. Uh, and so this is taken from a live actual wrestling event. They just kind of just recorded it there and then aired it on Baywatch. <laughs> and it actually actually canon as far as the wrestling went. Uh, so they were playing the, the event for real, even though on the show, they were clearly uh, intimating that this was just to raise money for charity to save a youth center and was all Hulk Hogan's idea. Uh, <laughs> Stephanie, who of course was uh, the romantic interest at this, uh, this part of the show of uh, the Hoff himself. Uh, she uh, discovered, well, she discovered that she was dying. She has skin cancer and, uh, you know, skin cancer lifeguards makes a lot of sense that, uh, you know, not, not enough sunscreen, but don't worry. Don't worry, all of you out there. This was a season six episode. 
In season seven, she'll die after the boat she's on gets struck by lightning and the mast crushes her to death. So, (laughs) (laughs) Baywatch. (laughs) You can't do that. Oh, little lady, that's where you're wrong. I'm the nature boy. I've got the document. Soon, (laughs) it'll all be Cardinals. It'll all be mine. Why don't you put your money where your sorry excuse for a mouth is, Flair? Hey, Hogan, as usual, your words hit harder than your fist, man. A fight, one-on-one, no holds barred, winner take all. All this property, Flair. So the, ca- the cancer, eh, no big deal. She only has to deal with it for a couple months. No, 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 no. <laughs> <sighs> Listen, brother. <laughs> you only got three points that round, but that's okay, brother. Say your prayers, eat your vitamins, you'll be fine. Just stay off the boat, man. Three points out of possible 20 in that round. I'm going to add those three to the four TD head going in, which means we are entering the highest scoring round of the game with 17 points. Not too shabby. Not perfect, but not too shabby. But I have got some good news for you, sir. Oh, yes, I do. I am feeling incredibly generous. You've been so generous to me. I feel incredibly generous to you. Point values for this round are not going to be three, five, seven, and nine. Nay, nay. In round four, point values available to you are four, six, eight, and ten. And with good reason, for every single one of these questions has two answers. Uh-oh. And so you will get half credit for each answer you get right. Get them both right. You get the full points. Uh, get only one of them right. You will get half the points. Get none right. And of course, you know. You'll get embarrassment, scorn, and ridicule. But uh, you know you know that going in. That's what the hot seat's all about. Here are the categories we're going to be using for this very special round four. Going to kick things off with horrible family ties. Followed up with, mm, 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 mm. And we're going to move along to just the facts. And we're going to wrap up round four and the second half with look it up on Bing. First things first, horrible family ties. Four, six, eight, or ten. Let's see. Horrible family ties. Um... Will this be a question about family ties, or will this be about something that I probably never watched? Let's put the eight on family ties. Eight points for horrible family ties. Good luck. And here we go. In one episode, Mrs. Keaton's brother is an alcoholic and so out of control that he smacks Alex silly. In another, a close family friend hits on teenage Mallory. What were the first names... Of these two ugly uncles. Hmm. Let's see. The alcoholic brother was played by Tom Hanks. That's the easy part, which is why I didn't ask it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, First names. Uncle. Can I get the one that was hitting on Mallory? Um, I don't think so. I can't bring his face to mind. See, you were hoping it was going to be family ties. It was family ties. and <laughs> It was just horrible family ties. <laughs> exactly. It's been horrible for you so far. <laughs> um, for some reason, Uncle Charlie is coming to mind. Um, so I'll go with Charlie for one, and we'll go with Tony for the other. Charlie and Tony are your answers. 
That sounds more like uh, uncles from the Fumafredo family reunion. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, most people, I think, uh, have at least been exposed to the fact that Tom Hanks was a raging alcoholic. It, by today's standards, the acting is kind of silly. Uh, you would not have projected that uh, Tom Hanks would go on to become an Academy Award darling based upon this uh, performance, a little over the top. Uh, but yeah, he's he's so drunk that he just tries to get to anything in the house that could possibly have alcohol in it, including jars of cherries. And <laughs> it's just, it's not pretty. And then uh, he just turns and wails on Alex, knocks him clear across the room, which is the one thing that uh, finally causes uh the parent keatons those hippies to say you either get help or you get out <laughs> i'm an alcoholic i need help yeah he was uh, not so bosom a buddy he was uncle ned ned alex what are you doing with this stuff whenever i think i can't achieve something i look at those yeah, well, Alex, these are ancient history. They're garbage. Hey, Uncle Ed, don't do that. Hey, give me those. Leave me alone. Give me those. Leave me alone! What the hell are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and then in another episode, uh, family friend, but so so close of a family friend that they called him Uncle, hits on Mallory uh, with the wacky, wacky comedy of, uh, yeah, come on, he wouldn't have done that to you, Mallory. You got to be mistaken. I, I mean, he used to bathe you as a child. I think he wants his job back. <laughs> and that was as portrayed by an actor named David Spielberg, Uncle Arthur. Arthur. Uncle Arthur. When I gave you that big hug, you thought I was, well, making a pass at you, didn't you? Well, maybe. I thought so. I'm so glad I brought it up. It's just that I was so happy to see you. I gave you a big hug, that's all. <laughs> I'm sorry if you thought it was too big. I didn't, really. Look, I want you to know that I think of you only in one way, and that's as little Mallory. And all I want is for you to think of me as your Uncle Arthur. That's all I want, too. Good. So if I did anything to make you think of me in any other way, I'm sorry. Well, I apologize for jumping to any conclusions. Your apology is totally unnecessary. So is yours. No hard feelings? No hard feelings. No. <laughs> oh, those wacky, wacky, very special episodes. Very few of them could get the tone just right. At least they didn't try for a lot of humor in the, in the uh, Uncle Ned episode. And uh, I think Family Ties is probably best known for the uh, episode where one of Alex's friends dies and the entire second half of the episode is kind of shot as if it was a stage play as he's walking around and the uh, everything's being reenacted as he's talking to an off-screen uh, psychiatrist is very well done episode and and again it wasn't played for laughs it was played for serious and that's why i think it, it resonated and, and and worked so but i didn't ask about that because you know what there are a lot of very special episodes i haven't even scratched the surface here oh, I know. <laughs> all right did not get that one hopefully hopefully we'll be a little bit more sunshiny uh <laughs> sunflower hello sunflower goodbye with mm, 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 mm. would you like to use your four your six or your ten i'm gonna go for four because i have no idea what this one's gonna be indeed well twice there was this thing where on happy days there were severe accidents <laughs> 
Yeah, two times on Happy Days, there were severe accidents that had major implications for characters, at least for 30 minutes. How did Richie end up in a coma? And how did Fonzie go blind? I guess we can assume that neither one of these happened by jumping a motorcycle over a shark. Or maybe they did. Let's see. Richie ended up in a coma. Just going to go, we'll say, car accident for that one. And the Fonz going blind. A lot of joke answers come to mind. <laughs> Nothing's working from a very serious half-hour episode. Um, can't even come up with anything. So let's say he went blind because he contracted an STD. <laughs> Uh, it might be a little bit uh, too much for the, the 50s era show because uh, <laughs> they didn't know about STDs back then uh, certainly hey hey just snap my fingers the STD goes away so these were two very special episodes uh, what Richie Richie ends up in a coma and, and Fonzie of course is he is just uh, inconsolable and and makes a special plea to the man upstairs, which is interesting because in the course of the happy days, he's technically the man upstairs. He lives above the garage, so he's the man upstairs. There's symbolism there or something. Uh, yeah, uh, Richie borrows Fonzie's motorcycle and wipes out, so I cannot give you car accident. Yeah, I was going to say motorcycle accident. But... Yeah, he, he borrows Fonzie's motorcycle, so Fonzie feels very, very, even more guilty than usual. But Richie, you're my best friend. You can't die. <laughs> I can fix a lot of things, but uh, this one is all yours. So uh, let's make a little deal. You do this for me, and I'll owe you one. And then, in what can only be described as sitcom stupidity, uh, Fonzie gets hit on the head with a lunch tray by Al and goes blind. <laughs> I can't see him blind. Uh, and, 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 and here's the thing. The cure is apparently uh, Richie decides that uh, he can't let Fonzie ride his motorcycle when he's blind. So he takes the motorcycle apart and uh, leaves blind Fonzie there to reassemble it by himself. <laughs> and once he has completed this Herculean task, uh, suddenly his eyesight comes back because it was mostly psychosomatic. Ah, <laughs> uh, sitcoms. Good times. No, wait, not good times. Happy days. That's it. Happy days. <laughs> uh, we need a sitcom. Sad nights. <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah, exactly. Depression Incorporated. Let us move along. Two questions left. Six points, ten points. Which one are you going to use for just the facts? Um, I think I'll go with ten points on this one. Ten points. Would you really hate me if this was Dragnet? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, all right. It's not. You take the good, you take the bad. You take them both, and there you have this question. Natalie went through the sexual ringer on Facts of Life over the course of the series. First, she almost got raped by a serial attacker loose in town. 
And then later on, she was the first of the girls to lose her virginity. Of course, after that, she suffered the the slut shaming that went along with that. But, you know, that's not important. It's a sitcom. (sighs) What costume was Natalie wearing when she was assaulted? And what was the name of her boyfriend who deflowered her? In separate instances. Separate incidents. (laughs) Let me be clear about that. Many years apart. (laughs) I'm going to say the costume was a bee. And her boyfriend's name, I'll just say George. George! Of course, uh, Chris is remembering that George Clooney uh, got uh, cast in among the final seasons of Facts of Life. Oh, that's probably what I'm remembering. Once Mrs. Garrett left and was replaced by Cloris Leachman, sure. Uh, <laughs> George Clooney joined the, joined the show as like a handyman. Uh, no, 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 no. No points here for you. Uh, yeah, so there's a serial rapist going around town and of course although mrs garrett knows about this they take no precautions they still hold a, a they still hold a halloween party on campus and have no problem with the girls walking by themselves there's no uh, extra police presence the other girls don't even wait to walk home with natalie they oh she seemed like she was having a good time so we let her stay <sighs> and on her way home from the party she gets accosted by the serial rapist and uh, if not for the fact that a couple of people happened to stumble on them and he, he ran off. Uh, well, yeah, here's the thing. I don't think they meant anything by this costume other than to kind of be funny and put Natalie in this costume. But now that I'm thinking about it, and it just occurred to me, uh, she was dressed as Charlie Chaplin. So I think perhaps they were saying something that she was dressed up as a little tramp and that it was her fault. I think uh, there, there was something subtle there going on there. And if so, shame on your writers. Shame. Uh, but yeah. Charlie Chaplin, yeah. Natalie, what happened? I was coming home, and I knew it was late, so I was hurrying. I wasn't far, Mrs. Garrett. I was almost home. Natalie, what happened? A man grabbed me, and I tried to scream, but he covered my mouth. Oh, my God. He pushed me down, and he was holding me down. And all of a sudden, I heard people's voices. He must have heard them, too, because he just got up and left and ran away. Natalie. Mrs. Garrett, those people had him bounce by. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, then she uh, started dating this this guy, and uh, she it was. this was supposed to, originally the storyline was supposed to go to Blair. But uh, in a case of uh, putting your money where your mouth is, not only did Lisa Welchel say, uh, no, Blair is not going to be the first one to lose her virginity, she actually refused to appear in the episode. And this is the only episode of Facts of Life that she missed because she didn't want to be associated with the premarital sex in any way, shape, or form. And this was, again, writers, really. Natalie lost her virginity to her boyfriend, Snake. Wow. I mean. <laughs> oh, Natalie, it's five in the morning. Uh, Snake and I were up late talking. Aw, oh, that's nice. Well, actually, we weren't exactly talking. Mm-hmm. You see, Snake and I have been going together for over a year. And we're really in love. And we are adults, so... It just seemed natural to you know <sighs> it takes a lot to get them right <laughs> anywho we have one question left it is going to be worth six points to you hopefully you can get some of these points look it up on bing are you ready sir let's do it on two separate occasions on two different shows matthew perry 
It's because he played Chandler Bing. See what I did with the Bing? Uh, but Matthew Perry has twice appeared in very special episodes. Once his character attempted suicide, despite having amazing tennis prowess and an uber-rich father. On the other, he drove drunk with his girlfriend, who was a series regular, and died even after the show said to everyone watching that it was all going to be okay and he was going to make a full recovery. Those bastards. What two shows did Matthew Perry make these very special appearances? Well, I know the second one was Growing Pains. Um, I think that was the first time I ever saw something incredibly sad while my parents were in the room. And they were like, you know, it's okay if you cry. I'm like, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's worth crying over this character I just met. But it is sad. But the second one, Tennis Pro. Where would he have been a Tennis Pro? Not a tennis pro. He just had exceptional tennis prowess. Yes, exceptional tennis prowess. To me, that's a pro. Just Fair because enough. I'm so horrible. I'm, <laughs> I'm horrible at tennis, so it's more professional than I am. Um, kind of show would that be? Tennis. It's a very silver spoons type of thing. Yeah, I'll go with silver spoons. All right, silver spoons is your answer. Um, I think just the fact that Silver Spoon stayed on the air made it a very special episode. My goodness, that was an awful show. Uh, <laughs> but it introduced us all to the tap dance kid, Alfonso Ribeiro. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pre-Carlton. But uh, yes, so let us first tackle the one that you've seen pretty confident in uh, because, you know, you remember your parents told you it was okay to cry. So I guess this episode did actually succeed in teaching you something. What was interesting about this is that uh, this was not an instance where they introduced the character and then killed them off in the same episode. They had actually put this character on for multiple episodes and even uh, included in the opening credits that so he was getting like cast billing really? Matthew Perry as Sandy. It, all signs seemed to point towards him uh, proposing and, you know, this being the thing that got carol married and out of the house uh you know it was going to be this wonderful thing and they had hinted early in earlier episodes that he liked to drink so again it was not out of character and he drove drunk crashed the car that they went to the hospital they yelled at him and said that was really stupid he said i know i will never do it again but hey it's okay i'm fine she went home with her parents and when she walked in the door kirk cameron comes in saying the guy from the hospital just called. Sandy's dead. Those bastards. <laughs> yep. Tearing up just thinking about it. So Sandy's parents will be in around six? Yeah, I'm going to go back to the hospital around seven. Sandy thinks an hour should be enough time for his dad to stop yelling. Speaking as a parent, Carol, I would say two hours yelling minimum. Better make it eight o'clock. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, listen, Carol, um... That guy, Doug, just called from the hospital. Uh-huh. Well, he told me that, uh... He said that... What is it, Mike? Carol Sandy just died. Indeed. So, yes, Growing Pains. Growing Pains was one. Uh, the other... Uh, this was a show... It, its early season was pretty much almost a weekly very special episode. They would introduce characters left and right who would have some sort of impact on the main cast and then vanish into the ether, never to be seen again. Uh, there was an African-American girl who dated the lead. And then, you know, we talked about racism 
And then she never appeared again. You know, things like that. This was Matthew Perry as Roger, who Brandon Walsh was doing a feature on for the high school newspaper. And at the end of the day, he was able to stop him from committing suicide. And he tells him, you know what? You can go ahead and write your story, warts and all. (laughs) Huzzah, huzzy, huzzah, huzzy. And Brandon learned something that day. He learned that these rich people, well, they have problems just like the rest of us. Go figure. You ever look down the barrel of a gun? Come on, Roger. Go home, man. You don't want to see this. You're right. I don't. Let me help you, man. Let me be your friend. Friends? I don't have friends. A very special 90210. Uh, half credit for that one. You get the three points for the growing pains. Uh, I'm going to add those three to your score. So at the end of round four, well done. 20 is a pretty darn good score, even with our little inflated score. Here's how the confidence questions work, Chris. This is your last chance to try and improve your final score. Only one question is before you. Only one answer is required. I will give you the category. You must, must wager between one and 10 points. Get it right. I will add it to your score and happily so. But get it wrong. Get it wrong, Chris, and not only will you lose those precious points, but I am going to make sure that you get trapped in that refrigerator that Punky's guardian left outside in the playground, (laughs) unbeknownst to the fact that it locks and uh, you can't get out from the inside, and then we're going to discover your lifeless corpse in there, just like they did with the girl who wasn't lifeless, but uh, very near death, because people... Take your doors off your refrigerators, because that's that's a problem today. I mean, it's still an issue, but who, you know, are, are, are we really leaving refrigerators and playgrounds? Is kind of my point. It's, it doesn't seem like something we do anymore. She's only alive because Punky learned CPR too. I'm telling you. See, if I had asked that question, <laughs> thanks, Buzz Aldrin. You were a big help. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> go to the moon, but can you save a girl dying when you need CPR? No, I bet not. Uh, all right, category, sir. The Bicycle Man. How many points would you like to wager on The Bicycle Man? Oh, The Bicycle Man. Well, let's learn our final lesson and go with 10. 10 points. <laughs> 10 points, hoping for 30 if you get it right. Down to 10, you'll still be in double digits either way, so well on you there. Uh, I, I take it you uh, have a vague idea of what this question might be? I have a vague idea, Maybe. The question is, will the gears turn well enough? Not a bicycle pun. Good job there, gears. I liked it. I was going to give you credit, and then you backed away. Come on, take the credit, man. (laughs) Here is your 10-point comments question on The Bicycle Man. Tonight, on a very special episode of Different Strokes, Dudley is lured into a web of pedophilia. Yes, The Bicycle Man, probably one of the most famous, very special episodes of all time, where Gordon Jump... We started this episode, you referenced the turkeys, will they fly? That is Gordon Jump on WKRP. This was Gordon Jump's probably, sadly, his most recognizable role is as Mr. Horton, the owner of a bicycle store who takes an improper interest in Arnold and Dudley. Uh, Arnold uh, gets wise to the shenanigans a little bit earlier than Dudley does and skedaddles. But Dudley sticks around. Here's your question for the 10 points. 
what is the name of the game that Mr. Horton offers to play with Dudley in the bathroom? And and may I add before you answer, you? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Super dark. Um, kind of blocked out most of that part of it. I remember something about playing Tarzan. That might have been earlier with uh, both of them there, though. But I'll have to go with Tarzan because I don't think I want to dig too deep into that memory bank. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Um, very memorable two-part episode. Dudley is uh, left at the bicycle shop. Uh, you know, it's just your ordinary bicycle shop where the guy actually lives in an apartment behind the bicycle shop and invites the young children back there to hang out with him while he shows them uh, cartoon porn. <laughs> yeah, as you do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Tarzan is... He takes photos of them, some cameos, and he asks Dudley to take his shirt off because they're playing Tarzan, and of course, Tarzan never wears a shirt in the movies, and Ew, 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 ew. Eventually, Arnold leaves with his Boston cream pie, leaving Dudley behind to join Mr. Horton in the bathroom for a rollicking game of Neptune, King of the Sea. Ah, I would never would have gotten there. Dudley, don't worry about Arnold. We can have a lot more fun without him. Hmm? After the cartoon's over, uh, We'll play Neptune, King of the Sea. How do you play that? Oh, you know, it takes a lot of water, a bathtub, a shower. Oh, it's a a great game. You're going to love it. (laughs) Arnold, of course, uh, would never forgive himself for uh, this and would continue to eat his feelings, munching down Boston cream pie after Boston cream pie until he grew up to be a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race named Silky Nutmeg Ganache. (laughs) I don't know if you get that reference, but I'm telling you, it looks like a grown-up. Arnold Jackson. Sorry. <laughs> if he didn't have the, uh, you know, the uh, kidney disease and could actually grow, uh, this is what he would have looked like. Yeah, I cannot give you the 10 points for the bicycle man. I got to stop talking about the bicycle man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but really is one of those one of those things where for years Gordon Jump said that he would be recognized on the street not as Mr. Carlson, but as the the bicycle owner and parents would yell at him and and tell him to get away from their kids and things like that. It it was really weird how pervasive this episode was. And he really regretted playing it by the end of his, uh, his career there. Like saying it just, it it followed me everywhere for the rest of my life. And I was just acting. I feel like there's a lesson to be learned there as well. (laughs) There is, there is Uh, wait until there's more than three channels so that very few people watch it. You get paid a lot more because inflation and all that good stuff. 10 points is your final score, Chris. You know, there's really nothing to compare this too because this is our very first very special episode uh but i think it was very special because you were in the hot seat thank you so much i hope you had a really good time it was a lot of fun thank you so much for having me is there anything that you'd like to uh you know share complain about comment on uh, the floor at least for the next few minutes uh is, is yours nope i'll just uh say hello to my beautiful wife jessica and all my trivia friends Katie, Phil, Luke, Rick, Becca, Ashley. Thanks for letting me play with you guys. And hopefully uh, you don't kick me off the team. After those <laughs> yeah, well, they might they might give you some backup for the TV questions uh, going <laughs> forward. But uh, Chris, thank you so much for uh, being a patron. Thank you. I appreciate it a, a lot. Uh, thank you for being uh, my first Bandersnatch uh, patron. And uh, this uh, 
wonderful episode made possible uh, by contributions from people like you and you. And uh, I'm more than happy to give back. I hope you had fun. I hope all of you out there listening had a good time. And until the next time, take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. I really should have written an ending for that, but look. (laughs) (laughs) Did you beat our guest or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter at BMGPod. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production.